Hi, everyone. My name is Emily Hurley, and welcome to the Great Design Lead podcast. I am a product designer, and right now I am currently working at Rent the Runway on their consumer-facing storefront website and iOS mobile application. I'm so excited to be here and talk to you, Emily. Oh, well, I'm really happy to have you here. Um, I have one question uh, for you, which was that what was it like to get my show notes beforehand and seeing all these notes about yourself? Because <laughs> there was a part of me that was like, she's going to think I'm a crazy person. <laughs> no, not at all. Um, honestly, I it it really reassured me. This is my first time speaking on a podcast. And so I am admittedly actually a little nervous. <laughs> oh, really? I'll just say that up front. Yeah, because I don't know, I think it's probably the first time that I'm speaking on a platform and that's nerve wracking to me. Um, I don't typically use my voice on things like social media or podcasts or anything like that, um, my, my verbal voice. So yeah, I mean, it was really nice to receive podcast questions ahead of time and all that research just to kind of get an idea of like the direction that you might go in. And also, I feel very flattered and honored that you did research on me. So <laughs> I thought it was cool. For, for reference, if anybody's wondering what this looks like, um, I have uh, I have literally like a giant uh, notion document with all of these questions and all of the little things that uh, Emily and I have like talked about in the past and uh, we got to know each other because um, I uh, I found you on LinkedIn and I thought that you were so cool and I reached out to you and I was like basically like do you want to be friends and you were like yeah sure <laughs> And uh, and we had that that first phone call where I was literally just like, tell me anything you want to tell me. Like I'm new to UX. I just took a independent course in it in school, and I know nothing. And and you were so nice to me, and you told me about your time in college and what you're doing uh, before you were at EY. And that was at the time when you were at your old job. Uh, and since then, you've uh, moved to Rent the Runway. Um, and so it's kind of funny that uh, I feel you and I kind of know each other pretty well. And I look at you kind of as like a, like a mentor figure. Um, and I've never even met you in person yet. So it's kind of like a sign of the times, but it's, it's, it's really nice. <laughs> yeah. Oh, thank you. That makes me so happy to hear. Um, yeah. And I, I think it's uh, just to comment on that real quickly, because, I think people get really in their head about reaching out to others on LinkedIn. But honestly, I think that is so cool that you just cold messaged me and like networked in that way. And I, I really encourage people in the same position in school, students, um, or just in the job network to reach out to people like that more often. Um, because you just never know if anyone is going to respond, but you uh, you wouldn't know unless you tried. So, yeah, I always uh, when I talk to people, I sometimes weird people out 
uh, because I'm like so into just like meeting new people and stuff like that, especially like over LinkedIn or something, because uh, like I've even gotten to the point where I just I really don't care if you see me looking at your LinkedIn profile like four times in a day. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because because I'm like I don't know doing research on somebody or something like that. But anyway, enough about me. But uh, yeah, so I wanted to uh, kind of like go over like your whole story of how you uh, got to where you are at this point. And I think the right way of starting that is I I want to talk to you a little bit. I want to talk about you a little bit before you started college. Um, so. I remember talking to you a bit about this a couple of months ago, but um, wh- where did you grow up? And uh, before you decided that this is what you wanted to do in college, uh, graphic design, interaction design, UX, um, how did you make the decision? So, so like, what were you like in, in high school and middle school? <laughs> yeah, that's a really good question. Um, so... I was always interested in art growing up, specifically drawing. Like, it honestly dates back to, like, preschool. I was that kid always <laughs> drawing in the corner, Aww. drawing pictures for friends. And um, I had taken a drawing class in, actually, in first grade, I want to say, as young as seven years old. Um, I went to a local art school called the Painter's Nest for a little bit, um, and that was really focused on, like, pastels, Um, and I remember I would go to this class, and uh, the teacher would just have boxes and boxes of basically, like, National Geographic photography of animals, which I loved as a kid, and I would just draw all these, what I considered masterpieces of different animals. But that, I mean, it's just funny to think about, like, my involvement with art and relationship to art and design dating back to very, very early stages of my life. Um, And then when it came to school, again, like, all throughout elementary school, middle school, I was always that person, like, doodling or drawing things for friends. Um, I remember kids would come up to me and always, like, marvel about... (laughs) how good my drawings were because there's, I feel like there's always like one kid in the class that's good at drawing. Um, but that really drove uh, the classes that I took in high school when it came to electives. So when it came to high school, I took a couple drawing and painting classes. Um, I took everything from ceramics to metal making to um black and white photography in the dark room Um, I just wanted to really try everything that uh they had to offer and and luckily I I grew up in an area uh which I forgot to mention by the way (laughs) earlier (laughs) I grew up in um Warminster Pennsylvania um actually in a small borough called Ivy Land so um Council Rock School District in Bucks County Pennsylvania um and I went to Council Rock North for high school, and fortunately, it's um, a, a nice area. They have a lot to offer at the high school in terms of electives, um, and I feel very fortunate in that that I, um, you know, grew up in that area and was able to to try all these different things and be exposed to them from 
a young age because uh, obviously not everyone has those opportunities. And um, when it came to graphic design, really, so I took like a very rudimentary intro graphics class in high school. And it was like, like so basic, like we learned the lasso tool in Photoshop, (laughs) the pen tool in Illustrator. And we did a couple projects that were just really small things like creating a little graphic for a notepad or creating a little graphic for a keychain. Um, did a little bit of printmaking with a screen. Um, <clears throat> and I wouldn't say that that was like the turning point for me or anything that when it came to design specifically. Um, it was actually in my drawing and painting class my senior year. So when it came to applying for colleges, I I knew I was interested in art and I knew that was something that I always loved growing up and I never really thought about another career path, but I didn't ever feel so passionate or so talented in drawing and painting that I knew that that was the path that I wanted to take. Mm-hmm. So <clears throat> that kind of helped narrow it down for me because I knew like, okay, I want to go either to an art school or a university that has a good art program. Um, and I had applied all over, like, I think I ended up applying to like seven different schools uh, oh, in wow. the end. Um all over the country from like Vermont to um, Arizona to uh, Boston. I forget where else. I think they were mostly on the East Coast. But what ended up um, kind of helping me make the decision was that my art teacher at the time, my senior year, uh, was really good friends with the Dean of Admissions at Tyler School of Art at Temple University. And she had um, her come in one day, her name's Carmina. And she let me know ahead of time, basically let her class know like, hey, Carmina, Dean of Admissions at Tyler School of Art is coming in. You know, we have a a great relationship. Um, We've had a lot of people from the school go to Tyler in the past. Uh, So if you're interested, bring your your work and show it to her um oh wow (laughs) yeah and I feel like I didn't really understand the the weight of that at the time like in my head I was like oh cool like she's coming to our school I'll just show her my drawings like not a big deal yeah um and I had already applied to Temple as well um that was like the one in state school I'd applied to so um, she came and uh, I showed her my work and it was not organized at all. I literally walked into a room carrying like a stack of drawings and paintings. Um, and I believe, I forget if at the time I had already got into Temple or if I had only applied at that point. But basically, it was a a quick portfolio review, chatted with her a little bit, just on a, like a, you know, surface level, getting to know each other. And she looked through my work, um, voiced over a couple things. And she basically said to me, you know, this is great work. Um, Your grades are great. So, you know, if 
you're interested, we'd love to have you. And wow. As what was that like student. in that moment? That's normally you wait forever and then you get a, a thing in the mail, but to actually talk to somebody in person, not a lot of people do that. Right. And I didn't understand that at the time. I was like, oh, you know, like this sort of thing has to happen other places. Like <laughs> I didn't I didn't realize like, you know, how how privileged and just how fortunate I was at the time to have that opportunity. And it really changed the course of my life like I the other schools that I had applied to they had art programs but not really um they weren't art focused so Mm -hmm. it would have been more just uh secondary to whatever I would have chose otherwise um and Tyler was the one like like art school that I had applied to um because for me, I also really wanted to make sure that I got a little bit of the university experience as well. I mm-hmm. was afraid to go to a solely art school. I really wanted um, just kind of like a well-rounded experience. And I wanted to meet different types of people. Um, and I also just wanted options in case art school didn't work out for whatever reason. Um yeah. So I remember going home that night and telling my parents that I was very like, just like, whatever, like, this isn't a big deal. But like, you know, sitting at the dinner table sharing about my day, and I said to them, um, you know, I had a portfolio review with the Dean of Admissions at Tyler School of Art, and she basically said that I'm in if I'm interested. (laughs) And my parents were like, oh my god that's amazing and really <laughs> really excited and happy for me and of course it's just like an angsty teen I was like whatever it's not that big of a deal like cool it's just a day in the life of me <laughs> <laughs> yeah which is just hilarious to think about now um but yeah so I it was pretty pretty much a no-brainer from there I mean in terms of it being a state school it being an art school and by that time Tyler had previously been a separate campus located in Elkins Park, um, Mm. separate from the main campus. And by that time, it actually had moved to the main campus. So, um, yeah, so, and I I had really, I think at that point, I had already visited um, Temple, and I loved the campus. It was an easy train ride from home, um, you know, close to, well, it is in Philadelphia, but close to Center City. Um, which I have fond memories of going to as a kid because my parents had worked in the city. And um, yeah, so there were a lot of reasons why I ended up choosing that school. Um, And when it comes to design, honestly, (laughs) the rest is, the rest kind of fell into place. I mean, I, I wasn't really sure what I was getting myself into when it came to graphic and interactive design, um, the program, uh, I had chosen my roommates through Facebook, basically back then (laughs) there was, there was, it's so antiquated (laughs) now to say that out loud. Like I have no idea how people pick their roommates now, but, um, yeah, I was in a Temple Facebook group for class of uh, 2014 and um, basically just found people that were also going to Tyler and met 
message with a couple people and um three other girls and I decided to room together and uh I remember one or two of them had settled on graphic and interactive design as their major and I I think that was a heavy influence in my decision making honestly because I was like oh well these girls are majoring in this and it seems like it's a good job and or you know industry and I can get a job out of school and yeah like it just makes sense um you know I didn't really think about the gravity of it at the time or like what that would mean or the course that I would take post-graduation um yeah so that's kind of my my backstory uh growing up and high school and how I got to basically college and um and and chose design it it sounds like living in the moment really served you well <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> like not not overthinking anything and just being like yeah this is what I'm gonna do this is how I feel right now and I I feel comfortable with this I I I really love that story and I I love that um uh I I'm from Drexel uh which is close to a temple um and that's how we were in the same area and i think it's really unique that that temple has graphic and interactive design as a major instead of just graphic design can you tell me a little bit about like what that was like and and like the the amount of emphasis that they had on what sounds like user experience design yeah of course um it's interesting because i believe the program has evolved since I've been there. So I was there from 2010 to 2014 and started in the graphic and interactive design program uh, my sophomore year. So the way that Tyler structures their program is that the first year, every student takes um, foundation classes. So like drawing and painting, um, 2D design, 3D design, uh, as well as a computer class, I believe, which is similar to how I described my design class in high school, <laughs> like very basic rudimentary uh, learnings of the tools. And um, when it comes to sophomore years, when you can really start expanding uh, into other areas and taking different electives and electives and starting on that journey towards whatever major you choose and actually and again I don't know if it works this way still today but at the time had to get there were certain prerequisites we had to take so it was like graphic design one and two or something like that and had to get certain grades in them um I think there was also a, a a beginner's computer class as well. That was more in depth of learning the tools. Um, had to get certain grades in order to get accepted basically into the program. Um, and it's funny because the program when I was there was really heavily print based, I would say. Um, even the, the prerequisite courses are all kind of like, you know, and it, it makes sense because it's like foundational principles of design, like logo design or, you know, designing a little graphic poster design. Um, but it wasn't until 
my junior year, I think, that I was able to start taking uh, more interactive classes. So, <clears throat> and that was all based on sort of the the portfolio as an individual student that you wanted to graduate with. So they had the option to focus or concentrate either on all print, um, all interactive illustration, or a hybrid of both, a hybrid of all, all three, I suppose, really. Um, and, and most people ended up doing the hybrid route. Yeah, that um, makes sense. Yeah, but it was totally based or up to us to choose which electives <clears throat> we took that got us the work to put in our portfolio for that. So there were, you know, some interactive courses, junior and, and senior year that were offered. Um, I, I can't remember what they were called exactly, but it was like, you know, learning basic HTML, CSS, um, building like five page websites in Dreamweaver, which sounds oh my <laughs> throwback. Um, <laughs> And uh, also creating animations and After Effects, um, which has helped me actually in my in my professional life, thankfully. Really, um, the HTML, CSS, more so when I was first out of school, but not recently. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I mean, all that to say, those courses were very much focused on the conceptual aspect of things. So. You know, it was all about coming up with an interesting idea or concept for the design and and executing on that. And all of our classes were, you know, these long critiques where we would walk the class through our idea and have the teacher or the professor and classmates input their feedback um, and sort of have a discussion about the in-progress work. And so... At the time, you know, because it was so focused on the concept and the actual craft um, and refining our projects, I would say there was very little um, talk of UX. I mean, UX actually mm -hmm. wasn't even a term that I had heard about in college. I hadn't heard the term UX, user experience, UX, UI until about a year into my first job out of school. Really? Um, yeah. And I, I feel like that was at a time when UX started becoming like a big buzzword. Mm. <laughs> um, and I believe now they have actually, I, I, I do follow the school on Instagram and I kind of have them on my periphery. I'll, I'll check out every so often what they're doing. And I do believe they have courses now um specifically focused on UX and mm -hmm. app design, website design and things like that. But yeah, at the at the time when I went, it really was just more focused on the the conceptual side of it and the craft and really um perfecting our craft and and building a portfolio that we could take to employers post graduation and and wow them. <laughs> I that's one thing that I felt similar to you on when I I did have a web class uh, at Drexel. Um, I think I took three different web classes. The first one was like HTML and then some CSS. The second one 
was more CSS, and the third one added JavaScript into it, uh, and they were so hard. <laughs> but I I remember um like being in my last year and thinking like, oh, I just found out this thing called user experience and I, I took the independent course in it and I was like oh my gosh I wish I was studying this I, I wish I was doing this instead of other things that I did and then I had a conversation with a friend of mine and um, I was talking with him about uh, UX design and um, I started explaining all of these things that I learned in school that I kind of forgot that I even learned um, things on I don't know, just like the way that you set text on a page, um, mm-hmm. the spacing between them, the, uh, the, the letting, the kerning, like all of that kind of stuff. And I totally forgot that I learned it. I thought that I just always knew it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if that's, that's how you ever felt because it, when, when it comes to UX, when you're learning stuff, uh, whether you're at work or you're learning it on your own, um, it's, it's much, more that you can put a finger on it like i learned this program i um have just done this many wireframes like these are all the figma files that i have meanwhile like when you talk about graphic design it's it it's like i it's hard to say like i got this certification in i don't know how much space should be between a paragraph versus the next uh chapter <laughs> mm-hmm. do you ever feel that way yeah, I, I mean, and it goes all the way back to, again, like my sophomore year of college. So I've been out of college for, I'm going to date myself, but I think six or seven years at this point, I've lost count. <laughs> um, yeah, I think six because it's been 10 years since I've graduated high school. Um, but yeah, because I've been doing it for so long, it's just, it becomes second nature and almost a thing where you know it's like like your abcs like do you remember learning the alphabet as a child no <laughs> because I don't, you know yeah or how to speak like the english language like i don't you know it just kind of becomes inherent in your skill set as you progress and um continue down the path as a designer absolutely so, so going through your story, you're in college, and I think did did you tell me you did any internships or anything while you were in school? Um, no, I didn't. I didn't talk about that. So, yeah, I had a couple student jobs during my time at at Tyler and Temple. Um, so, I had started out. I believe it was my between my sophomore and junior year, I want to say, actually, it might have been junior. Um, I, I'm mixing up my years at this point, but <laughs> I I had worked at uh, the Temple News, their on-campus newspaper for a little bit, and that was just a few months. It was pretty basic design um, projects where, you know, it old-fashioned newspaper uh, really was just focused on setting the type and creating little graphics um, for different articles. Um, and it was a good first job, I would say, in terms of design. You know, it, the table stakes were low. Um, it was really just, I, I had creative freedom to 
create whatever I wanted for these articles in terms of graphics. Like I remember the the author of the article would usually kind of give like maybe some type of idea if they if they had a preconceived idea of what they wanted to be featured with their article but it was mostly me reading the text and then just coming up with some little design um, to go along with it and the reason why I didn't continue with that job is so silly now um, but it's because it was on Sundays because of the schedule of which really the newspapers came out and Sunday was always my homework day in school like that I was can the imagine. day that I yeah like you know Sunday is just I mean I know it's day of rest like some people like to relax on Sundays but for me it's Sunday has always been a productive day for me like going into the week it's my day to really reset from the weekend and get ready and get everything I need together um, going into a new week and for school um, I would do homework all day so having a job that took up uh, you know half of my Sunday just was not ideal as a student yeah um so I ended up getting a job uh at the Fox School of Business on campus um in School of Tourism where I reported up to a creative director there and I think that was like a couple days a week which was perfect it was like you know I was able to kind of work flexible hours I believe it was only like you know 10 hours or actually now that I'm thinking about it, honestly, I'm not sure how many hours, it was, <laughs> but it, it fit into my schedule nicely. I remember. And it was also the situation where if I didn't have anything to work on, I could work on homework, which was perfect. And um, it was, the job was creating um, different kind of print assets for the Fox school of business and school of tourism. So it was like, invitation design, um, logos, posters, um, basically anything they needed for events of any kind. It was creating different design assets for that. Um, so yeah, it was a very relaxed job. And I had done that for, I believe it was like my spring semester of junior year and through the summer and then my first semester of senior year. Um, and then I had kind of like cut that off going into my last semester of senior year, just because, um, as you probably know, as a senior graduating and going into the design world is a very stressful yeah. and hectic time. Oh my um, goodness. Your senior yeah. project, applying for jobs, maybe you have like the last hard classes that you had to take. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Basically, I, and for Tyler students, like in the GAID program, it was basically redesigning our entire portfolio and then also taking a full time roster of classes and creating projects for those classes as well. So, yeah, it's very intense. And I remember the funny thing that you told me about your senior show that you had to get your own iPad for it. I thought that was mm -hmm. kind of a funny part of it. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it's wild. I, again, I don't know what they have students do now, but 
basically they have you create a iPad version of your portfolio. So essentially um, images and animations just kind of stitched together in a presentation format. Hmm. Um, we used, God, I can't remember the name of it, but it was some plugin in InDesign, which I shout out to InDesign. I haven't used in a very long time <laughs> at this point, but um yeah, we had to create a an iPad version of it, which meant getting an iPad, which is just insane to think about, like, you know, having had to get that as a student. And, you know, again, thank God I was fortunate enough that my, my parents helped me out with that. But, you know, I recognize that not everyone had that um, support. So yeah. just thinking about the and I won't really get into it, but the financials of everything was a lot that they expected students to be able to, you know, have an iPad for their portfolio presentation. Um, so that was, that was one aspect of it. And we also had to buy these like custom made black suitcase boxes. Yes, um, I totally forgot about this part of the story. <laughs> yeah, so that was always, and again, I don't know if they still do it today, but it's always been like the Tyler signature portfolio element where um, there, it's like, I can't remember the company name. It's like Smink and something. And it's this guy <laughs> who makes these, they're beautiful, but um, very expensive, black suitcases, hard shell and we would have to basically pick three to five physical pieces for our portfolio as a kind of um, supplement to our our digital portfolio and build wells, um, you know, basically like recesses for the portfolio pieces to sit within the suitcase and stack oh nicely on top of one another yeah oh my god I remember building those wells and like all the the art school wounds of <laughs> cutting my finger with an exacto knife that was definitely one of them like a late night slip and yeah so and I and I remember too back then like our professors would say you know for students that are going to job interviews after graduating both in Philly and New York like we were known as a school with the black box portfolio like, oh really was, yeah it was like a <laughs> well-known thing so yeah so it was the, the suitcase and the iPad and then in addition to that we also had to build our own websites or mm. I shouldn't say build I mean use some sort of platform like Squarespace or Wix um and completely brand ourselves and then also you know create business cards a logo the whole nine yards so yeah it was a lot when it came to getting our portfolios together and um presenting our work at the the final show it's it's kind of crazy the amount of work that went into that it's it's something that i noticed with schools is that uh you kind of get so used to uh, have you know like put so much money into random things you don't expect like 
printing and uh, mm-hmm. the amount of materials that you need. And uh, oh, what was the name of that that glue? Uh, I forget. Um, 3M, like the amount of 3M that you have to buy. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. But, oh my god. <laughs> and, yeah. And, and you kind of so get so used to it that at the point when when they say, uh, "Oh, you need an iPad," you're like, "Well, I've already put so much money into this. I guess it's like <laughs> nothing compared to how much I've already put in." But it is kind of crazy looking back on it, expecting everybody to like get brand new iPads if they don't have one. Um, I, I wonder if there were a lot of people posting on Facebook like, "Can I rent an iPad for 24 <laughs> hours?" <laughs> right? Seriously, I will pay you 50 bucks. <laughs> Yeah, for real. Um, and it's funny, you just reminded me of just the amount of supplies like you had to buy. I remember having a stack of nice paper. Um, yes. Because yeah. Different projects <clears throat> would require different types of paper, you know, like luster or <clears throat> more of the printmaking like Reeves BFK paper or there was one company I remember, um, I, I can remember the like color. There was like speckle tone, but I cannot remember the name of the company. Um, but yeah, there were a few paper companies that they would always push on us to buy different types of paper from. And it was not cheap. Um, and you know, you only use a couple sheets. So it's really wasteful actually because. <laughs> And in hindsight, you know, like I should have kind of grouped up with classmates and like gone in on buying paper together. Yeah. Uh, But it's funny because I had so much paper left over from school and post-college. I held on to it for a while because in my mind I was like, well, what if I want to use this someday on some print project? Like I'm just going to hang on to it in case. and. Of course, I've I've moved very frequently in my post-college life, like every one or two years. Um, and paper is heavy. Um, so <laughs> I would be lugging around this stack of this nice paper of different kinds with me from apartment to apartment with every move. And finally, I think it, it was only like two to three years into my post-college life, but I had reached out to a professor asking her um, if students, which is a no-brainer, needed paper. And she was like, yeah, like we, you know, if you're trying to get rid of it, like feel free to drop it off. So I literally went to Tyler uh, on a random weekend day, um, went in the building and to, we had this room that was a complete mess. It was for the design program. <laughs> and it was kind of like the hangout room before classes. There were lockers. So people use lockers if they were storing stuff there. Um, there was like a little computer lab and it had tables um, and uh, like, you know, areas to kind of construct physical pieces. And um, I went in the room and, and just dropped off a huge stack of boxes of paper. And I remember there were a couple students sitting in there and they're like, is this free? (laughs) (laughs) Their eyes got big. (laughs) Yeah. I was like, yeah, I, um, I'm a Tyler alum. Like, 
just had a bunch of paper and you know you guys can use this way more than I can so you know please please use this um and they yeah their eyes became enormous and um it made my day just to see <laughs> how excited they were about this paper. Um, and I was like, I wish I had, I wish someone did this for us back then. So, um, yeah. So I guess all that to say, if you ever have, uh, school supplies, art school supplies that are still intact and usable, um, there are plenty of schools that could use it. <laughs> I have and very appreciative students. <laughs> I have the plan. I'm actually moving in 15 days and I have so much art supplies that I don't need anymore. So I'm probably going to be doing that too. And I live very close to Drexel. So that's probably going to be really easy for me. But I have a, nice. I, I do have a question. Like once, when you talk about this, um, I, I felt this way when I graduated high school and when I graduated college, um, how quickly, um, everything that means something to you not everything but a lot of things that that are so important to you and are such a big deal um when you pass that kind of like threshold in your life and you go to the next phase it's very unsettling sometimes like how all of a sudden that really doesn't mean anything to you anymore like mm -hmm. i it's it's really weird like i i used to look at that paper and i was like oh it's so important like the way that it absorbs the ink is so different and just the other day I like printed off my um my boyfriend's visa paperwork on it like <laughs> that's how much I like I was like oh yeah and it's it's strange like especially I just graduated last month and uh I I got a message from one of my professors saying by the way you got this a in the class and I'm like I graduated already <laughs> and yeah. but it was just very strange to like all of a sudden doesn't like matter anymore or like your priorities are so different so did you have kind of a weird moment when you dropped off that stuff and and like I can be in these hallways and I'm not worried about a grade and I I have something totally different to do with my day and I like the the difference in in how you look at that room yeah, yeah, it was definitely surreal being back there because it had been a couple of years at that point by the time I went and visited. And honestly, I still, I feel like I got a little bit of PTSD being there because really? of just how, how, I mean, the program itself was hard. And when I say hard, um, I mean, of course, it was challenging. But it was just a lot of work, like mm. the amount of work and the amount of pressure um, going to school was just so much more than I had anticipated. Um, and it's funny because I used to have it's been a while since I've had one of these dreams, but I used to have dreams after graduating that <laughs> I like would get an email or a call or a letter in the mail saying that I never actually finished school. <laughs> um, that really? I still had like, yeah, that I still had like a gen ed to take or something that I just oh forgot about. Um, which I'm sure happens to a lot of people, but it's just funny. I think like the amount of pressure uh, I felt when I was going to school, like really stuck with me post-college in a subconscious way 
Um, but yeah, but the shift in priorities is, is really interesting. I mean, going from being a student to really being responsible for managing your time in a way where you could juggle so many things. I mean, project work, classes, social life, uh, a job, um, you know, a relationship, all these different things to, and, and kind of building that life around like your class schedule. And in yeah. some ways, it's interesting because I remember feeling so bound to my schedule. Like I would plan when I did my homework around my schedule, I would build my class schedule around that because I wanted to leave time for my social life as well. And, um, you know, getting that quote unquote, uh, college experience, so to speak, um, to the post-grad life and having to like work within the confines of a nine to five, which is what I ended up, excuse me, doing, um, was getting like a full-time job nine to five. And I remember actually feeling like I had way more freedom with that because Mm -hmm. as a student, you know, you're kind of always working in your free time and you're always dedicating mental space to the things that you're working on and your projects last semester long or half a semester long and you're constantly iterating and things never really feel finished and when it came to working a full-time job after that and kind of accepting that I could leave at 5 p.m and not think about work until the next day and I could have a full weekend and not think about work or not have to do anything for work in terms of any preparation, like not having homework was a game changer for me. Um, and just, you know, the way that I thought about time and, and the way that I live my life. So I would say that's the biggest, uh, mental shift I noticed when going from college to post-college life. It's, it's always weird when, when you go into places that you used to be when you were younger, like, I don't know if you've ever uh, visited your like elementary school uh, when you were an adult or anything like that. It's very weird because especially in elementary school, like, like everything's so much shorter than you remember. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and yep. so I'm, I don't know if you thought about this while you were there, but I'm sure you could have, like when you were going in those rooms, you can remember yourself like sitting in certain areas or things like that. And uh, if you were to walk into one of those rooms and like somehow you from five years previous uh, were just sitting in that room, uh, do you think that you would like go up to her and, and talk to her and try to give her any advice? I think so. Yeah. Um, yeah. There are a lot of things that I wish I knew in school that I didn't. And I think, again, like the way that the program was structured and the way that our professors kind of talked about post-grad life, um, I thought about things in a very specific way and thought about 
my career and post-grad life as this very linear path. Um, and the truth is that life is not, not linear. Um, there are many ways to navigate through life and many ways that people move through their career journey. And, um, it's funny because I, I think I am still on a linear path in terms of my career, but I, I feel like part of that is because it was very ingrained in me in school. Like, mm-hmm. okay, you graduate, you get a job, uh, you move to these cities, you, you know, you network, you build up your connections, you do this, you do that. <clears throat> and I just think there's no one right way or a specific answer in terms of what your journey looks like um, or what the journey should be. And the way things were talked about back then, I feel like I felt that sense of, okay, when I graduate, I need to get a job immediately and it has Mm. to be full-time nine to five and Mm. don't work for anyone that won't pay you which I do agree with that part for anyone that won't pay you but I mean certain things like you know they really drilled into us like don't ever take an unpaid internship and Mm. in college you know I I didn't pursue certain internship opportunities for that reason um whereas that could have been experience you know whether or not I was paid but um, yeah, just, just thinking about like certain things that were really drilled into our heads as students that I wish I could go back in time and, and tell my younger self. Uh, it just, I think in general, like, you know, it doesn't have to look like this one specific way, you know? Yeah. Do you have any regrets from that, that, that time period of of like maybe not something I don't know if it would be a regret because like when I look at my life I think everything that's happened has got me here um so and I'm I'm so happy where I am that I wouldn't want to change anything um but was was there anything that you you thought back to school and you're like oh I I, I wish I did this I wish I talked to this person I I wish but at the end of the day like I don't know. This this is a very uh, indirect question, <laughs> but would you think back on anything? Uh, like I probably do. <laughs> yeah, um, I do. I mean, I I agree with you. I think of my life as like, you know, everything that has happened or everything I've gone through has gotten to me to or gotten me to where I am today, and I wouldn't be the person I am today if I hadn't gone through those experiences but in terms of college I yeah there are some things that I regret like you know I would have loved to study abroad um Mm. I remember Tyler offers for the GAID program specifically it's a very structured timeline of when they recommend you go so it's either I believe spring semester of sophomore year or um 
over the summer and do like a, a six week program and it's in Rome, Italy. And I remember at the time I was just one afraid of studying abroad, like doing something that big kind of on my own because I didn't really know my classmates well enough. Um, and the other part of it was like, um, those specific uh, recommended times that you go was in order to complete the program within four years. And in my mm-hmm. mind, I was like, I am completing this program in four years. Like there is no way I am going to college for more than four years, which is so silly to think about now. Like tons of people take plenty longer than that to finish school and that's okay. Um, but that's just another thing in my head. I thought like, I need to do X in this amount of time. And, you know, although I feel like specifically for that program, the classes weren't necessarily, um, that they offered in Rome weren't necessarily directly related to the gay program. Mm, Um, yeah, I, you know, that's just something I always think about, like, in terms of just a life experience, like, going to a foreign country, and being surrounded with people that I barely know, and really putting myself out of my comfort zone. Um, I wish I had done that in college at a younger age. Um, You know, just having this, like, sense of fearlessness, and, um, you know, just just not really caring what happens, like just putting myself out into the universe and like letting life happen. Um, So yeah, so that's the biggest thing, I guess, to answer your question when I think, man, I really wish I did that in college. It's studying abroad for sure. When I look back at things that I regret or if I could tell myself something, uh, or do the whole thing where you go back in time and you like shake your younger self and you're like, why didn't you do this? Like it, it, I, sometimes I think back on things that I would have said or, or what I would have just not cared about. And then I think about it. I'm like, I would sound like a psychopath, like, <laughs> because I would act like this thing doesn't matter to me at all when it does. But, but yeah, like, like one thing was, um, uh, I, I really wish that, um I just like so didn't care about I had this uh, group of uh people that I lived with and um I cared so much about what they thought of me and if I was bothering them and like constantly worrying to a point that I was like a mess all the time of like trying to make these people happy and uh I probably spent so many hours just like wasting it on these people that I would never speak to again after I didn't live Mm -hmm. with them anymore um but I don't know it's like it's weird that things mean so much to you in the moment and then even a year later you can like hardly remember what that person's face looks like (laughs) which is crazy and it kind of tells me a little bit more to myself of like like this too shall pass you'll be okay like just because it seems like the end of the world doesn't mean it actually is and i actually i didn't uh travel abroad either um there was that option with my school of going to um rome and then going to ireland um mm. and uh i ended up not going um because uh it would have been 
on my own dime and uh mm-hmm. the classes were um the people that I heard of had a, had a good time but the classes weren't necessarily what I wanted to learn and I was so obsessed with um being on track and I was I was exactly in your same shoes of like I didn't want to not be able to graduate on time because like there's the financial liability of that and also like Mm -hmm. it's in your mind you're like if you don't graduate on time then you you graduated but like like later than everybody else and it 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 makes you feel kind of crap um yeah and and it's so you're right it's so dumb because like you're what 22 uh you have your entire life ahead of you why are you acting like your life's over when you're 22 <laughs> right like you're right. cracked you're like barely an adult <laughs> yeah yeah but, yeah I think uh, yeah exactly what you said like it's like equating not finishing something on time to failure which yeah. is not true at all <laughs> so um, we we talked about what it was like for you in college. And so that, that move from your two previous internships, which were more um, graphics and like print materials based, you then went on to be a web designer at Delphic Digital. And so what was that time period of, so we heard about like your senior show and the briefcases and and the iPads. Mm-hmm. How did you go from there to your first job? And also, how did you go from uh like digital like like uh print to web designer? Because that is a a jump between the two, mm-hmm. and there's all these things you have to learn. So like, how did that part of your life happen? Oh, absolutely. Um... And that's a really good question because, yeah, it's not, it doesn't seem like such a straightforward transition, like coming from this very print focused school to all digital, basically. Um, So going back to that portfolio show, um, it happens every year in Tyler uh, for the GABE program every May. All the students, uh, the senior students get in this green hallway um, and basically have their own table set up with their iPads and business cards and briefcases and just kind of stand there. It's it's like a sort of expo and employers and friends and family can come and walk around and basically you just you know, give your elevator pitch of your portfolio and what you have to offer. Um, and at that show, I collected a few business cards, talked to some people that had come up to my table, one of them being, uh, a designer that worked at Delphic Digital at the time. Um, and actually previous to the, the senior show, um, the same person, the same designer had reached out to my portfolio teacher saying, hey, uh, we are looking for a junior web designer at Delphic Digital in Maniunk, PA, uh, right outside of, um, you know, downtown Philadelphia. Um, it would be an all digital position. 
Um, do you have anyone you know that would be interested in applying? And I remember my portfolio teacher had forwarded that to the class. So I had looked up Celtic Digital, looked at their portfolio and thought to myself, hmm, like this sounds pretty interesting. I, you know, I hadn't really thought about the direction I would choose. So initially I really thought that I would end up going into kind of like a hybrid design studio that was more print and uh, branding focused mm. because those were the parts I really loved about design in school. Um, so a, a place that people would think of would be like Ogilvy or Pentagram or something like that, where it's a hybrid between the two. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Or, you know, more Philly based uh, heads of state was always a big design studio that, I mean, they're, they're a small design studio in old city, but, and t- the two founders are uh, Tyler grads. But, you know, I think going to Tyler and it being so print focused at the time, I I really had in my head, like, I want to work at a place like that where I can continue working on similar things. Um, and, you know, so my teacher had kind of posted that, that job um, listing to our class and then I had actually spoken with a designer from Delphic at the time at the portfolio show Um, and I went on a few different interviews uh, right out of college within that like couple week span right after graduating Um, and you know I think what drew me to Delphic especially was that it was a small-ish company at the time I want to say like 30 to 40 people. So it wasn't huge, um, but wasn't so small either that I would be kind of expected to be autonomous right off the bat, Mm -hmm. which that was something I was a little bit nervous about going into my first job was that I, you know, I had my student jobs, but I hadn't really worked anywhere kind of out, out in the real world, so to speak. Um, you know, at a design agency. And so I I wanted to be somewhere where there was a little bit of a team. It wouldn't just be me. I would have people to learn from. Um, and also really wanted to, to try going the digital route. Um, and I think looking back, a big part of that was for financial reasons, you know, again, going back to what we're told in school is that um, web and digital jobs tend to be a little bit higher paying. So sometimes a lot more higher paying. Yeah, a lot more, yeah. yeah. Fair point. I won't sugarcoat it. Okay, a lot more higher paying. So you know, I don't want to say it's all about money, but it certainly helps. And as a you know young professional out in the field looking for a job, as a side, I also knew that I really did not want to move home. Like in my mind, I was like, I am not, I am not moving home. I am staying in Philly. I am experiencing this city. I'm going to have my own job. Like I'm going to have a full-time job and my own apartment and all this stuff. Yeah. So I had a vision for my life basically. And so that, you know, that was a big factor in it. And 
Um, so I, I ended up getting the job at Delphic Digital and, um, you know, like I mentioned before, I, I really hadn't even heard the term UX until a year in, like Delphic hadn't been using that terminology. We were all just, the team was made up of myself and two other designers, um, that were a little bit more senior, um, and our, uh, creative director, uh, or director of design, I believe his title was at the time. I'm not sure. Um, and UX wasn't, wasn't a thing. Like we were called web designers. Um, we worked on consumer facing websites, um, for a variety of different companies, uh, a lot in the healthcare, um, education and, hospitality spaces and then it was also uh you know it's a marketing agency at its core so there was a lot of kind of uh asset creation like banner ads and mm. social media content things like that and it was very focused on the visual design of things so you know we had created sort of very basic site maps and um you know what resemble wireframes i suppose uh but you suppose. I remember, <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean i think for me like i remember my job was very visual focused there mm. like so what ended up happening a year in was that one of the designers on my team decided that she wanted to be the UX designer. And so, and, you know, at the time it was like, well, what does that mean? Yeah. Um, and so we kind of tried this out where uh, she was the, the UX designer and sh her responsibilities were focused on, you know, requirements gathering and, and understanding mm. the user needs and uh, conducting some research and, uh, building out those sitemaps and wireframes and user flows and things like that. And, and then, testing? yeah, we did do a little bit of testing back then. Um, I can't really speak to how much, but yeah, it's interesting because so it, it was kind of like this split of UX and UI and I had been on the visual side. So my title became visual designer and it was more of, you know, it was meant to be this collaborative uh, working relationship between UX and UI. But I remember what would often happen was that the UX designer would kind of do her part and then sort of involve visual, um, you know, once a direction was more or less established. Mm. And it wasn't so much involved in like, the upfront research and understanding the user and business needs. So mm. um, by the time it got in my hands, it was really focused on the UI and skinning the websites and, you know, making it look flashy and like not so much thinking about the usability of things. Mm. Um, it was really, you know, these were, marketing websites for different companies so really coming up with interesting and unique 
styling based on latest trends and, you know, what other cool websites were out there. I remember constantly looking at awards.com. If you're I was wondering if you were going to say that one. And then, and then yeah. Awards with three W's in the middle. Yep, yep. Awards with three W's. That was like my Bible. Like I would just look at that constantly um, and reference back to that for just different ideas and inspiration. And yeah, so it it really evolved a lot. And, you know, by the the end of my time there, I think looking back, a lot of my frustrations at that job were the fact that I wasn't really involved in the UX and I wasn't, I wasn't involved in kind of coming up with the the framework and the reasoning and the direction for why we were um, designing things a certain way. Like, Mm. you know, I I started to ask a lot of questions towards the end, like, um, because it was also a little bit limiting in that from a content perspective, I didn't really have the flexibility to change up placement or, you know, how certain components um, appeared on a page or, you know, like if the UX designer, you know, designed something on the page to be a carousel, let's say, or suggest Mm. that something be a carousel, that was the direction that I had to take for, from a visual standpoint. Mm. So, and, you know, I think there are a lot of approaches when it comes to how low or high fidelity or prescriptive wireframes can be when translating into visuals. But because I wasn't responsible for making that decision and it was more of just a handoff, Mm -hmm. um, it felt very limiting, if that makes sense. I am so glad that you said that because I felt really similar in this one internship that I was in. Um, The, when, when you're starting out, sometimes it's really, at least for me, frustrating this um this hierarchy of who you're allowed to talk to, who you're not allowed to talk to, who's in charge of what. And it's so really fun for me to uh, start my own web design thing and and read books on on usability testing and read books on user experience and and uh, maybe I might not be doing everything right because I don't have somebody uh, walking me through things, but it's really interesting to, to actually, if, if there's a website that somebody wants me to redo, um, I can start the conversation with, okay, well, let's, let's test the website that you have now. And so just making decisions off of user testing, making decisions off of, uh, really objective things like people aren't clicking this, people aren't seeing that. And, and, there's something so freeing and I don't know if you feel the same way of things no longer being a hundred percent subjective in how you feel about something mm-hmm. where it's like, I might get emotional about it. Like it's so, it feels so good that it's not all about like how your professor or how your teacher feels about your stuff and you're not designing for how they grade you're not designing for their personal opinion you're actually uh and it's this really amazing thing of just being 
humble and and putting somebody else before yourself of the user and, and how they're going to walk through the site how they're going to use it and and like make it work how how did you i i'm thinking that your transition um to ey might have uh been a little bit like that i don't i don't know much about it but um uh it seems to me that there's a lot of um understanding personas understanding um uh everything behind that what do you think about what i'm saying right now yeah um you definitely sparked some thoughts around that just in terms of my transition from Delphic to EY. So, um, you know, for listeners who may not be familiar, uh, EY Design Studio, uh, I specifically joined the one in Philadelphia and Maniunk, um, ironically down the street from Delphic Digital, which, is, <laughs> which was, has since also been acquired and is now Hero Digital. Mm. But um, it's, it was formerly, uh, called Intuitive Company. Um, it was acquired by Ernst & Young, the global consulting firm about six years ago, I want to say now. And at the, t- so it, it's at its core, it's a user-centered design development and research company. Um, and so coming in, the the role that I was applying for was a user experience designer. Um, you know, with the understanding that designers there really are both UX and UI, that just for some reason was the title at the time. And when I went into that role, you know, I remember interviewing and being very open and transparent about my experience in that I had exposure to wireframes. I had worked somewhat with UX designers, but that really my focus was visual design. And um, to your point, really taking more of a subjective approach and, and designing things that were visually exciting and, uh, you know, like heavily fed on, um, others ideas, like particularly my creative director, um, for example, you know, when you talk about, uh, designing things for your professors and their opinions and grades and whatnot. And so I, I had some sort of like limited amount of experience when it came to UX. Um, but I was really interested in learning more about that and going in that direction because it seemed to be like, again, the big buzzword at the time and the direction that that the industry was going. And, um, you know, again, it was a very fortunate situation where I not only had a call or a, a classmate that had worked there, um, so I, I had a connection there, but I also, you know, it was a great group of people and the creative director there just saw potential in me and gave me an opportunity, um, which I'm so, so grateful for. Um, and when I got there, it was really like this big aha moment. Um, even from my first project I worked on, I remember realizing like, you know, when it comes to designing wireframes and things like that, it's like really thinking through every detail of the experience. And, you know, it's not just about like 
what color the buttons should be or like what fonts are we using or what type of imagery or you know is this a carousel or not like it's Mm. so much more involved than that and to your point you know the research that goes into it and things are based on real data and user feedback and all these different elements um and it's really grounded in something it's not just kind of like blue sky like okay this we're gonna make this website look this way because it's cool (laughs) yeah yeah so it's a big shift in just my frame of reference and my my mental model of kind of how I thought about about design um going in into the studio from Delphic Digital and it seems like from photos that I see and things like that it's it's a really collaborative space I've seen photos of you and Nelly and other people uh <laughs> doing the stand-ups where you're talking with as a big group and you have uh things written down on the whiteboard and everything like that so it seems like there was such an emphasis on on planning and flows and everything like that I know that must be I'm guessing it must be part of your aha moment but what was it like being around like such a what seems to me like such a big team where you were able to work on projects and and plan things out and work collectively what what was that that like yeah it was honestly game changing for for me like i my first job out of school you know we worked together sometimes as designers but Really, we were very siloed when I think about it. You know, each team kind of sat in their own section of the office. Mm. Each designer worked on their own things. There was no real visibility across designers what each of us were working on. Um, Even when it came to process at a business level, we worked in waterfall. So even from the standpoint of involving development, it was sort of a toss it over the fence situation, Mm, um, which would create a lot of friction. And, you know, I, I won't, I won't get into it too much, but, um, you know, going from that environment to an environment that is different in so many ways, um, really the exact opposite was extremely eye-opening and um, intuitive, EY intuitive, and now EY design studio. um, It's always been built on this very collaborative, transparent culture. And, you know, even things down to like not sitting within, not physically sitting within uh, a space with just your team members. Mm -hmm. Um, For example, I remember getting to the office and everyone um, sat kind of like mixed within discipline. So I sat next to a developer, which was like unheard of at my, <laughs> at my previous job, you know, now it seems like a no brainer, but yeah, just being around these, um, these people of all different, uh, mindsets, experience levels, different walks of life and, learning from so many people um 
just through process and collaboration and uh, also working from a process standpoint, again, um, you know, heavily and agile, uh, really iterating on um, concepts and design and embracing different people's opinions, embracing uh, different teams' inputs between design, research, development, and um, engagement. I, I believe I left them out earlier, but we also have engagement or had engagement, which is essentially like project management. Um, but yeah, so it was a very stark contrast and kind of set me up um, for, you know, what I I have looked for uh, more of and craved in my career. And and at this point in your life, um, I don't know if you if you were we I don't think we even spoke, but this is the point where I come in to the story. <laughs> um I actually I I think you were yeah, I'm pretty sure you were there when when I visited. I, I visited EY um before COVID. I think it was this twenty nineteen summer. Um mm-hmm. when the rest of my uh my school was in uh Ireland and Rome. Uh I was in Philly and we were doing this thing where we were visiting a bunch of different design studios we went to um uh one that was run by one of our professors we went to ey we went to one trick pony we went to uh, a whole bunch of different places and i really thought ui was really unique but when i went there i knew nothing about um ux design they were just talking about users and and websites and products and all of these kind of things and I thought it was really interesting and it was really funny because I think I told you this before that I went there and uh I recognized Nelly but I couldn't figure mm-hmm. out why I knew her <laughs> I <laughs> Nelly Ortiz I, I and it's funny I talk about her and and I don't think this woman even knows who I am or or what but I uh, <laughs> I uh recognized her because she was my professor's uh AIGA mentee and uh mm-hmm. summer that I was there I I met her and she seemed really nice and so I was like well if she's here this must be really <laughs> neat <laughs> yeah. and so so yeah I I I don't even remember if maybe I I saw you there I saw you speak um but it it was it was really neat to to be there and it just seemed after going to all of these different studios um weeks and weeks on end for 10 weeks we visited i think 12 studios um there definitely seemed something really different about um about ey that i really liked um and and so you were there like people like us would visit i know that um you helped run the tech girls uh in i think 2018 like you had uh girls I think elementary age come and visit EY and you did little workshops with them and stuff like that um were there a lot of people that were visiting you guys um and you you had to introduce them to to uh UX design yeah um yeah I'm I'm glad you brought up the tech girls um initiative that that actually is something that that Nelly started and I got involved in. Um, so there were a couple instances where, again, for listeners who may not be familiar with Tech Girls, they're a Philadelphia-based nonprofit that aimed to educate uh, young girls and actually middle school aged um, in STEM. 
So we had hosted a couple workshops there um, for a group of girls uh, where we created our own workshop called Think Like a Designer. And it was teaching them essentially, um, you know, how to think in a more user-centered way and, and teach them about um, basic design of applications and, and teaching them about what we do and running through a couple of different exercises that, that help them understand, um, you know, what being a designer might mean. And um, that's just one example of that. Uh, we, we also had a lot of community events through Design Brew is one organization or, or meetup group within Philly we've partnered up with. Um, and when it came to a day-to-day, it was, it was really educating the client, um, you know, from bringing them into our studio and, and having those kinds of talks and showing them and involving them within those types of collaborative sessions but also just from a work standpoint. So um, because EY is a consulting firm, in large part, the job was also um, kind of this transformation effort of working Mm -hmm. with different companies and really trying to shift their mental model and teach them about user-centered design while while doing the work for them, but, um, you know, shifting their mindset from a business standpoint, from a cultural standpoint. Um, we worked with a lot of businesses that really had no UX presence or only had one UX person, or maybe UX wasn't even a a word that was spoken in the organization. Mm So, um, you know, a lot of the work that they take on are these big, digital transformation efforts with different Fortune 500 companies, a lot of financial, insurance, um, pharma, just to, to name a few. Um, there, there's a very large variety in terms of what they work on. But um, again, so like really part of the job was also, uh, you know, bringing them into or, you know, teaching them about UX and part of doing that was bringing that into our culture. So, um, you know, as you can imagine, the last (laughs) year and a half has obviously been a lot different. But prior to the pandemic, that was a thing that the studio would do all the time was bring clients in and involve them in even our, you know, design team activities. So Mm. our design team, we had um, multiple touch points a week. We had critiques on Tuesdays and a session called Collab on Thursdays, where um, each week a different member of the design team would host, um, and usually it would be an interactive session, so some sort of activity or lunch and learn on something that someone was interested in um, or design-related, and we would bring our clients into those types of sessions just to you know, give them an idea of what it's like to be in this, like, very open, collaborative space. Um, so, yeah, I would say it was it was very heavily embedded in the culture there and uh, everything from, you know, the way that we worked with clients, the way that we worked with each other and uh, with the larger design community in Philadelphia. 
when when you say this, it reminds me of this book that I just finished. Um, uh, a friend of mine who works for Mobequity, uh, her name's uh, she has a very Polish name. It's going to be hard for me to pronounce it. Her name's uh, Casey Kadowick. Um, she's mm-hmm. a good friend of mine. She uh, dropped off a whole bunch of UX books that she suggested that I read. And one of them was Don't Make Me Think by Steve Krug. Um, mm-hmm. And I, I, she said, if you're going to read them, like, this one's really, really good. You should read it. And so I did. And um, the number of questions that he answered for me that uh, clients would ask about um, – <laughs> should we test or um, do we have enough money for this? Like, why does this matter? And and he really talked about like data driven decision making and presenting um, just more information that is easier to process rather than like, well, this is the proper way of doing it. This is the way that you should like, it's, it's a totally different way of, of talking to people about it. And so that that's really neat that, that you included them uh in because that that makes people more invested and really more understanding of what's going on and i'm sure that like this is the it's their project really uh when Mm -hmm. when you think about it it's like once you're done with it like you might check in every once in a while do some testing make to see like their interaction changing so you could see how successful the project was uh like with their analytics but it's it's their project and and uh it it really it changed my mindset of uh, talking about how important it is. Mm-hmm. But um, when when you talk about your time there, it sounds like such a place where they're constantly trying to teach everybody every day. And it seems like such a nurturing place, especially for somebody who's in the beginning of their career. Um, mm-hmm. I... I we can talk about it later because there's something that I want to talk to you about between that. But when was the point where you felt I have learned so much here? It's been such a great experience, but I'm ready to do the next thing and go find a place where I can work um, uh, in-house or in a, in a different kind of environment. How that is a rough decision because EY <laughs> is such a great company. So I'm sure that there was a lot of thinking and turning it over and thinking again. So mm-hmm. what was that like? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, I think kind of at a foundational level, I've always had an interest in going in house at some point in my career. I didn't know when that would be. Um, and I talked a little bit earlier about, you know, wanting to tell my younger self, you know, careers and life journeys are not linear. It's okay to jump around. It's okay to try out different things and really figure out uh, where your passion lies. And, you know, there are many reasons why I ended up kind of making the jump um, when I did some of them being life-related, some of them being pandemic-related. But I think the point for me when I really decided it was time for something new was over the last year um, or so. You know, having been in this sort of isolated remote environment, um, having worked on uh 
you know, a certain client that I had worked on for a year plus, I was really craving something different and new. Mm -hmm. And that's something my peers have actually told me uh, at at certain points throughout my career is that I try and think of how to say it in a way that isn't like I get bored easily, but I you know you're curious you want to try things yeah exactly like I have this thirst for just trying something new all the time um and that transcends into so many other aspects of my life but yeah I you know I just really wanted to know what it would be like on the other side of things I've been on the agency side for seven years um you know which is a considerable amount of time of course it's not you know, a career's worth of time, but it was enough time to make me realize I was ready for something new. And, um, you know, to your earlier point about working somewhere that's really data-driven and understanding the measurable impact of your work. So something that I wasn't getting at EY, which, you know, they they are user-centered studio at their core and they do a lot of research and usability testing and interviews and all types of research activities, which is amazing. And, um, you know, I learned a lot there in terms of what you can do within the design and development process and understanding more about what's working or not working about the product. But one thing that I didn't really have visibility into was the quantifiable uh, data behind it. Mm. So oftentimes when I was involved in projects, it was kind of for this or kind of within this like finite amount of time or finite um, uh, range of like what was done on the project. If that makes any sense, like, yeah, you I, had a, I, a scope of work within the contract that they have. It wasn't like a long, long relationship. Long term. Exactly. So, I mean, that was one end of it, but then it was also my involvement as an individual con- contributor and a designer was also limited. So mm. I wasn't always there from start to finish on a given project yeah. or I, you know, we would ship a project and then not see the quantifiable measurable impact of that product oh and I that's think- so rough of like I can just <laughs> like I'm the type of person where like that was part of the reason why I was getting frustrated with graphic design because I was like making all of these things and then handing it mm-hmm. off to somebody and not seeing what they were doing with something that I looked at like my baby <laughs> and mm-hmm. uh I I yes yeah, and, and also you're really curious so you want to see like I wonder what their analytics are like I wonder what how well of a job I did like I want to see what's on the other side of the door (laughs) exactly yeah so we were looking a lot more at the qualitative side of things when it came to testing there and you know a majority of the projects that we did there and majority of the projects that I worked on were internal employee facing so not consumer facing so while you know, internal employee facing is important um, to do that type of testing. I think there's a whole other world of testing and tracking that quantifiable data when it comes to consumer um, facing products. 
And, you know, that's kind of where Rent the Runway comes in. Um, it's a truly data-driven company. And what I'm quickly learning about the in-house side of things that's very different from agency side is that, you know, at the end of the day, you're working for a business and every decision that is made, every initiative, every effort that um, occurs within the business is all driving towards, you know, certain goals and some kind of measurable impact, both for the business and for the cust- its customers. And this is that the run way that you're talking about? Yes, exactly. So, you know, we we need to keep the business afloat. We need to make the business money, obviously, but also keep our customers happy. So, you know, driving towards uh, customer retention and gaining new customers and all the data behind that that's involved with determining those um, those goals is something that I really did not fully understand in my previous role at uh, EY, and I don't think I really had insight or visibility into. Mm. Yeah, I right now I'm taking the Google Analytics certification course, and <laughs> it's really interesting to talk about that and the way that they they look at data a totally different way than I would of like like a pie chart with the amount of people that were able to get to the next task versus weren't able to get to the next task and Mm -hmm. it's really Mm -hmm. neat so do you do you get to how do you interact with that kind of data um and and you've you've only been in the position for a couple months, so I understand if if you <laughs> can't answer everything. But uh, but uh, what is it like um, uh, trying to sort through all of that? Because they have such a wide wide range of people that use it, and and uh, there's probably so much data to have to sift through. How do you even approach that? Yeah. So yes. Like you said, I've I've been there since beginning of June. So it's been about a month and a half. Um, and I am still very much learning so much about the business. Um, I I am more or less kind of up to speed at this point, but learning things about process and you know who owns what. And I sit within the product design team there. Um, and I'll just kind of give a quick explanation of run, what rent the runway is for Again, people that are listening that may not be familiar, but it's a uh, designer fashion, clothing, rental, and subscription service based out of New York. Um, It was started back in 2009. Um, And it's really the idea behind it is is super interesting. It's a closet in the cloud, essentially. So being able to rent clothing through a website and a mobile application um, and swap clothing items and essentially have this rotating closet uh, without having buyer's remorse or, you know, uh, wasting clothing. Because if you think about just how much clothing we have in our closets that we end up donating or getting rid of or selling, um, it's really a good alternative to, um to try different clothing in a, a sustainable way, sustainable way like that. And um, we have a, a product design management um, uh, team that does a lot of that uh, data tracking as well as a data science team that does a lot of that tracking. 
And so when it comes to design and interacting with that data, it's like understanding that data as sort of the principle or the foundation of which we decide uh, how to iterate on the products based off of that. And then from a design team perspective, we are also doing more of the qualitative testing, like the user testing and um, putting designs and concepts in front of real customers and having them kind of walk through their thoughts and asking pointed questions about how they might accomplish a certain task. So it's really combining that um, quantitative and qualitative data all in one um, sort of in in different ways. That's That sounds like the perfect place for you. <laughs> <laughs> Based on the way that you've described it, and uh, I don't know that that's, that seems really that 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 feels like it would give me a lot more confidence in the design decisions that I would make because of the amount of information I would have to back up it, mm -hmm. and also to be able to partner with the analytics teams um, and the the data scientists would it it just seems like a totally different world to work somewhere like that versus a place where you have um, a bunch of different clients and you're working on a shorter term basis. So do you feel like you're kind of, I'm, I'm asking you all of this and, and you haven't been there that long, but do you feel like, um, <laughs> like it's like a totally different world, like not in any negative way to EY, but like, it's just like, I don't know, like a different planet kind of. Yeah, it definitely does feel like a different planet. Um, and, you know, I think there are definitely pros and cons to both, to both ends of it. Um, and I won't really go into the details, but I think, uh, you know, to your point, Emily, like you just said, being immersed in the data and having so much backing to what you're doing and really having a more pointed direction when it comes to design is just you know, in some ways, I think people might argue it's limiting, but it's really cool to see um, the measurable impact of what you're doing. And of course, I've only been here for a month and a half. So nothing I've designed is like, you know, out the door yet. <laughs> but I am excited at the idea of seeing something I've designed in product, either on the website or the application that real people are using and that is measurable in terms of its success and see how people are using it and you know to do the testing on different concepts to see uh, customers frame of reference when it comes to a certain problem so yeah i think just from my understanding of how things operate i will also be much more involved in that research side of it um, whereas in my previous role, we had a research team. So I would collaborate closely with a researcher on some projects, but it wasn't every project. And, you know, sometimes it was very limited in the scope of what we did, or I didn't always get to touch it so closely. But um, looking at my current role, it is very much like we, as designers, also do the testing and mm. we drive those questions. We come up with the protocols. We, um, you know, we collect the data, we analyze it. So just knowing that 
those are all activities that are going to be baked into like every project I touch is really cool. And fulfilling. Yes. And fulfilling. (laughs) That's good to hear. So, so we talked about your, your childhood. We talked about, uh, high school, college, your, your three companies that you were with. Um, and so if you feel comfortable, the, the last question I really, the last thing I really want to talk to you about since we're, uh, almost up on an hour, uh, two hours, um, I, I want to ask you a little bit about, um, uh, your relationships with people throughout this whole, uh, time period. And, um, I kind of specifically want to ask you a bit about, um, your boyfriend. <laughs> and, <laughs> and I, I don't know if you feel comfortable talking to this. Some people are private, but, um, uh, I, I'm kind of wondering about like your very close friends and, and him as they've, they've seen you go through a lot of the different parts in your life and moving from, uh, point to point. Um, and I specifically wanted to ask you about, um, uh, it, it seems like, uh, you're, you're really active and like traveling and, and, uh, really valuing time with friends. Um, and, and you're going to all these different places. And I saw that you were at like a CrossFit gym, which was very <laughs> impressive to me. So I want to ask a little bit about like your personal life going through all of this time. Uh, I don't know where, where to start, but, uh, like what has it been been like to like uh keep up with all these people making time for friends um meeting your boyfriend like how how has that all been like that's a very big question and I don't know how to start it (laughs) would you like to start somewhere (laughs) yeah no I'm glad you asked that because um you know just in terms of my my life and my day-to-day uh my relationships with people are really important to me and um, I have a very wide range of friends um, that I've kind of met and and maintained throughout my life uh, from different areas of my life. I have friends all the way from childhood that I've met at like four and seven years old. I have friends from college. I have friends from Delphic, EY, and, you know, now Rent the Runway from my CrossFit gym that I was at for a couple of years, like you mentioned. Um, and relationships are just really important to me and the, the human connection. And, um, you know, I, I try to, to keep in touch actively with the people that are important to me. Um, And I would say, you know, in turn, it's been really helpful having uh, such close friends to confide in as well as my my boyfriend. (laughs) Um, Like you mentioned, he and I have been together for honestly, I've lost track, but I think it's like four and a half years or something. Um, And he actually really got the brunt of like my latest career move and hearing my experience throughout uh, applying to interviewing to, you know, leaving my last job and that whole process um, just by nature of us living together and being together basically every day. And so 
uh, I am just very grateful for the people in my life and having cultivated this um, kind of network of really close relationships with people where uh, I feel like I can confide in them and they have, you know, so much unique insights and uh, perspective and context. You know, I've, I've leaned a lot on people in my career that I've become close with through my jobs when it comes to career choices, um, which has helped a lot um, because I don't, I don't think that I could make the decisions I've made just in a silo without speaking with other people about it. Um, and then to kind of comment on your other note about just uh, kind of exploring and traveling, that is also very much a huge part of my life. I I love exploring new places. I love trying new things, which I kind of alluded to earlier when it comes to the career track. Um, I I just love seeing uh, the world and um, you know, just being out, uh, even just walking down the street in my neighborhood is interesting to me. Like I, I love just, um, being exposed to different things and, uh, and learning new things. And I, I really miss traveling. That's something I haven't done a ton of since the pandemic, um, that I'm hoping to get back into soon. Um, but in the meantime, I, I did move to Jersey City during the pandemic, and so I'm very close to New York City now, and I have been spending a lot of time exploring New York City um, because there is an endless amount of things to try and do here. Um, so, yeah, so that's kind of like uh, my life, I guess, in a nutshell. And one thing that I wanted to quick ask you before we wrap up is um, uh, – you seem, at least to me, uh, and uh, I I haven't spent a lot of time with you, but uh, you seem like someone that's that has a lot of really quality girlfriends, <laughs> and <laughs> and you you seem like you're you're really open to people and you're willing to like make friends with them and and it it seems like for me like. It's super easy to do that online. It's super easy to do that in the podcast and things like that. But, um, uh, it's, it's harder for some reason for me to open up in person. Have, have you ever felt that way? And to, to close up, do you have any advice for me on, on being more open to people in person and like making time to, to make, see people in person? It's been so easy to not do that the last two years, but I, yeah. it's something that I really, want to value in doing in the future so do you have any last advice for me yeah. <laughs> little emily um, <laughs> yeah i have a couple of thoughts around that so one you're already obviously very good about reaching out to people you don't know and creating these connections with people i would say especially now that you know uh if you're vaccinated and other people are vaccinated you can safely do so like reach out to people in the physical world and, um, you know, don't be afraid to ask someone to go to, to go get a coffee or go get a drink 
Um, just be open to saying yes to things. Uh, that's something that I, I kind of went through in my mid twenties <laughs> where I was like a yes man, like literally just anything that came up, any social event, any community event, anything that anyone asked me to do, I would say yes to. And that opened so many doors. So I would say, you know, obviously there's something you're not comfortable with or don't feel safe doing don't but (laughs) um but yeah but really just open up your mindset a little bit to the things that you say yes to and the the opportunities or the offers you take and then also just building out time in your your day and your week to connect with people um you know you are so good at uh, being diligent about your freelance and learning and taking courses and that's incredible um but you know obviously you also need to invest time in yourself and your relationships so um just making space and time for that within your day whether it be something as literal as like okay in my day i am going to take an hour to you know reach out to these people or respond to messages or like whatever it may be, or I'm going to take this hour to, you know, go to a coffee shop and just talk to people like, or go to this networking event, you know? So just carving out that more distinct time um, to, to add to your sort of life schedule. Um, So yeah, so those are the two big pieces of advice I would give you when it comes to cultivating relationships. I think you're totally right because even just yesterday I was just in a funk and I didn't know why I was just walking around my house kind of feeling down and I went to the grocery store and I ran into one of my friends at the grocery store (laughs) and she said oh I'm bored can I just walk with you (laughs) and she walked with me back as I brought my groceries home and then we chatted for a while and she's like okay I'm ready to go home now and I felt so much better and I and sometimes you kind of like don't realize that just a little bit of social time is all you really need and I was so happy to see her so I think that's a little taste of how my life will probably go up in the next (laughs) couple months (laughs) yeah totally but thank you so much for for spending your valuable time with me it's it's really nice uh, and uh, to just talk talk to you like this and get to know you a bit more and I I really love your story and I'm really excited for the next year or so uh and we'll we'll see what your life is like from then on but uh make sure that you tell your adorable dog that I said hi and and (laughs) pet him for me seems so cute (laughs) thank you Alrighty. course yeah so happy to talk to you this wasn't as scary as I thought it would be (laughs) um so thank you so much for inviting me on I had a great time Emily this was this was amazing oh well I'm glad that you had a good experience that all of that research that I do beforehand is just to to make sure that I know a lot about you and I can ask you a lot of questions and give you a good experience since you're giving me (laughs) literally two hours of your time (laughs) of course happy to so i guess uh this is until next time yeah until next time (laughs) hi so 
This is Emily again with how you can reach out to myself, Emily Giordano, and Emily Hurley. I forgot to ask her before the end of the question, so I'm just going to do it now. If you want to learn about me, uh, my name is Emily Giordano. I'm a uh, UX designer, web designer, web developer, and I use Webflow. So I make websites for people, and it's really fun. Uh, I love what I do. Um, there's a lot of different kinds of websites that I do, whether it's something um, that's more of a static page, or if it's e-commerce, or if it's a membership uh, website. There's really nothing that you can't do. Interactions, animations, uh, it's really fun. So if you want to uh, learn about me, um, you want to talk on the podcast, or if you want to work on a project with me, which would be really exciting, uh, you can find me at greatdesignlead.com, or you can reach out to me personally uh, to my email, which is emily, E-M-I-L-Y, at greatdesignlead.com, or you can find me on LinkedIn or anything like that. And now when we talk about Emily, um, you can find her uh, on LinkedIn, which is Emily Hurley, E-M-I-L-Y, Hurley, H-U-R-L-E-Y, and you can find her website, emilyhurleydesign.com, or you can reach out to her directly via email, which is ehurley, H-U-R-L-E-Y, design at gmail.com. And usually I end this by saying until next time to the person uh, I'm talking to on the podcast, but I guess this time I'm going to say until next time to all you guys listening, and thank you so much for listening. This is my my favorite hobby, and uh, you listening to it really means a lot to me. So until next time.